0: Rounds 5 and 6 of Sunkup Super Netball are in the books. First win for 2020 for the Firebirds. And the Thunderbirds are back in the top 4 plus the ANZ Grand Final. We're back to cover it all here on the Centre Pass Podcast. Welcome to the Centre Pass Podcast, brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Jared Gardner, and as always, I'm joined by Taylor Mulkey and Sophie Taylor. And it was a massive week in netball. Obviously, two more matches in the Suncorp Super Netball season. Taylor, um, a couple of massive results, but probably exciting for you. The Firebirds getting their first win of 2020.
1: Oh yeah, I was so excited. I'm surprised you guys didn't hear me screaming all the way at your houses because I was just so so impressed and I was just riding every wave of momentum and it was it was a great win and I think the main thing is now the firebirds have that that hunger and have that taste for for winning they can believe in themselves and can push to go that next step further and start to build some really strong momentum.
0: Yeah, exactly and Sophie up in the top four it's great to see the Thunderbirds um, jump into that fourth spot on the ladder with their third win for 2020.
2: Yeah the Thunderbirds have had a really really good past few weeks and unfortunately that was put to a stop on the weekend but before that they've been really really convincing and 100% deserved that position up in the top four and I don't think any of us really saw it coming at least at this point in the season so good on them.
0: Yeah definitely I think they're they're a very good chance to hold on. I think that they're, they're really challenging some of those top teams and able to beat the teams below them. So um, hopefully a big year um, up ahead for the Thunderbirds, but we will go through the round five results first. And there are a few blowouts, one close one, and that's probably the match we're gonna talk about the most. Um, but just to the results quickly, the Fever uh, were defeated by the Vixens 68 to 59. The Firebirds were defeated by the Swifts 64 to 57 magpies were defeated by the thunderbirds 60 to 52 and the lightning got up 58 to 57 over the giants in an absolute thriller and that's the result that everyone was really talking about um, over the past week obviously there was a massive decision to or a massive couple of decisions to send off christiana manua for the giants and there was a lot of controversy around those decisions and whether they were the right call. We obviously don't want to talk about it too much because there's been enough said in the netball world over the past week or so. Um, but we might just get all of our thoughts on, on the decisions. So if you might start with you, what did you think?
2: Um, I know you guys hate me for this. <laughs> and I've gotten enough tweets on socials um, to prove that I'm in the minority um, as an umpire myself I agree with the decision I don't agree that it should have been done in that way purely based on the fact that the first decision was a warning it probably should have been a caution that would have delayed some of this further onset but overall I do agree with the decision based on the fact that according to the umpire manual that is the protocol that is that is the way you're meant to go about it Again, not saying I agree that she should have been sent off for that, but I understand the reasoning behind it and I await all the responses I'm going to get to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Taylor, what did you think?
2: Well, my thing is that it's...
1: The really frustrating thing is a lack of consistency in these approaches and what is considered warning, what is considered a caution, what is considered worthy of being sent off and all of these different types of things. That's where my issue lies, because that first um, contact where uh, Christiana Manua kind of well, knocked into uh, Karakonan, I'm not saying that the contact wasn't late I'm not denying that whatsoever. However, I don't think that it was necessary to be sent off from that. So that, for me, is where the issue stems in the interpretation of it. And therefore, they like they penalised Christiana Manuel for it. And I understand that, yes, they were following protocol, but my whole issue continues to be that there is a lack of consistency or understanding around certain contests, and that's where problems start to stem. Because you look back at last uh, last year, there were multiple incidents, especially I think it was the Giants-Firebirds games, where there were literally bodies flying absolutely everywhere and no one got anything. But this year, in this game, something as innocuous as that, where I don't – not innocuous, but in the sense that Kara Conan kept her feet. She didn't fall over. It was just a body contact kind of as she went up in the rebound. And like I said, I'm well aware of the fact it was a late contact – However, I don't think it was worthy of a send-off. And then that contest where um, Christiana Manua went to get the ball from Sherian, that was more, there was no body contact in that. She attacked the ball and therefore that really frustrated me that that was what she got sent off for. And that ultimately changed the entire course of the game. Jared, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I'm basically in agreement with you, Taylor. I think both... Both incidents, she was she had eyes for the ball only. She wasn't cannoning into the player for the sake of it. Yes, they might have been late, but I think that's kind of the nature of netball. And as a defender, you're just going for the ball at all costs, really. And I think even in the first one, especially Kara Conan was pretty surprised that it was um, a send-off or a two-minute send-off or whatever it was. So I think it's it was disappointing for, for it to happen in that way. Um, and I think, Taylor, you make a great point about a couple of the games last year especially that Giants Firebirds one I think the other one that came to mind was I think it was one of the Firebirds defenders on Nat Medhurst last yeah, Kimmy year Jenner, I, think. I think yeah it I was. think it was it might have been like an elbow or something yeah um and I think there, there are definitely incident incidents that have happened in previous years that are more worthy of a send-off than anything that Cristiano Manua did um I mean yeah I, I enjoy watching Cristiano Manua play I think she's an undersized defender so she's really physical she uses her athlete, uh, her um athletic ability to her benefit and i think she does a great job it was i think the other point to be made that like doesn't have anything to do with where she got sent off sent off was well, it does a little bit but why didn't the giants take Manoa off yeah and in that's that fourth kind of quarter
2: my question. um yeah just to add Another bit of my two cents my question was here finding out after the game that at halftime the Giants had actually had a meeting with the umpires and being told the protocols that, that would happen if she continued so what had happened was she'd gotten a warning for the potential danger of the movement she was doing I'm pretty sure it was that almost the obviously a late contact isn't always a punishable offense in that way but i think it was the fact that she was doing it pretty repetitively where she would know that she wasn't going to get the ball but she would still do it almost as a way to get in the player's head and again i'm not saying that always will require a caution or always will mean this always will mean that obviously the second one i agree i don't think she um had the intent behind there i don't think it was a particularly dangerous movement if anything Sherian almost got scared when Manoa was coming towards her and that's what caused her to fall. I don't think that that was the intention behind anything, but I do find it really interesting that the Giants did have a meeting um, with, I'm pretty sure that Julie Fitzgerald was there and apparently Harton and Manoa were also in this mini meeting with the umpires so how could there have been such a big miscommunication that they didn't know that Manuel was going to be taken off if it continued to happen? And that's where my questioning is, because I find it completely unbelievable that not one person on the Giants bench would be aware that she would be sent off. It Everyone was shocked. Everyone was shocked that she wasn't allowed to be replaced. And I was like, but this is common knowledge. Anyone who's played in a junior league or grassroots, any competition... You know that if you do a certain thing so many times, you're going to be sent off and you can't be replaced. I mean, I think that's pretty common knowledge, uh, definitely around my competitions and around the competitions in my area. So I just thought it was bizarre. I, it was just a really strange scenario, and frustratingly enough, it's one of those things that almost had to happen so that it could be cleared up. Like, and it just sucks that that's the reason why the giant, like the giants, didn't have a. Player on for half the last quarter, but the Giants did have plenty of opportunities to win the game in there. Like there was one point where Harton went for a two pointer on the Lightning centre pass. If she had taken the one point shot, gone back to centre, gotten another one point shot, she would have had those two goals without having the risk in there there's just little things in there like I understand that it it really messed up the Giants gameplay teams aren't used to having to think about playing with one player down let alone a goal defense out but it they the Giants still had plenty of opportunities I don't know it was a weird scenario I'm gonna stop talking before I put my foot in my mouth
0: (laughs) yeah I I think I think I think everyone's moved on at this point. It's been a, a massive week. And I think, I don't know if either of you saw it, but during the Giants-Vixens game on the weekend, I think it was Sue Gordian or Kath Cox interviewed Christiana Manu. I'm pretty sure it was Gordian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you kind of see, even when Gordian did like ask about it, Christiana Manuel was getting a bit emotional. So obviously it's taken a little bit of a toll on her and um, something she didn't expect and something she wouldn't have wanted. But um, I think... If she just continues to play the way she plays the giants are going to love it and i think yeah there's there's no reason she shouldn't change her game style um from what she has played for for years now um moving on now and the rest of the round five matches um they were all pretty they were all blowouts nine goals seven goals and eight goal margins so or eight point margins i should say um were there any other players or teams that really stood out to either of you taylor i might start with you on this one
1: Oh, he's throwing me a bit of a curveball here. I think that uh, the Thunderbirds, like I, like we've said before, the Thunderbirds have kind of been that unsuspecting team. However, I kind of tipped them at the start to really progress up the ladder. So um, <clears throat> I'll pat myself on the back there. But so, I think um, the fact that they have been so dominant, or especially early in that first quarter against Collingwood, they just shut down their ball movement and they really – um, clogged them up for space while uh, applying that scoreboard pressure and we've harped on her time and time again but Georgie Horges has just taken her game and just completely put herself on the map and dominated. Also Lenise Potgita, I think she is an unsung hero of this Thunderbirds line-off. Often it's the defensive end in um, Shamira Sterling getting all the credit and all the accolades saying how impressive she is but Laniece Potgieta shot 39 goals from 39 attempts at 100% against one of the best defenders in the world in Jeeva Mentor. Now, that's just ridiculously good. And that is credit to that entire Thunderbirds unit working really well. And that is what really excites me for the future. And the fact that there's so many young key players coming up in this um, Thunderbirds lineup, that's something that people should be really aware of.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, And Sophie... Um, anyone that really impressed you from round five?
2: Um, That is a, yeah, it's a, it's a big question. I think rather than anyone in particular impressing me, I was really impressed with the Vixens going back to basics. They've been, switching things around for the first I think it was the first four weeks they really rotated everyone they I mean not so much in defense um only really switching out for Kate Eddy every once in a while but you look at um Caitlin Thwaites and Teagan Phillip in that game that was the first game they played all season against the Fever where it was that typical lineup that we came to expect last year um and even though we all know that Wender is a great goaler, but the combination of Thwaites and Phillip is personally more consistent and strong than the combination of Thwaites and Cumwenda or Philip and Cumwenda. So as much as I love MJ, um, I think that this lineup is the way to go. And especially I mean, they played the entire game with seven players. Elle McDonald got her debut, which was really exciting, purely because Kate Maloney had to get her ankle restrapped, which I was very excited about. You know I love Queen Kate, but Al McDonald is really good. Um, and, yeah, I, I was just impressed that the Vixens were able to go back to basics, just chip the ball like, and chip the score scoreline um, down, keep it ahead of the Fever. And I just think it was a really consistent game from them. We haven't really seen many consistent games from the Vixens this season. It's been kind of up and down, even when they have been winning by a lot. I don't think
1: we've really seen consistent games from anyone this season. And and that's putting it harshly, but truthfully, if that makes sense. I think the condensed season is really testing teams. So one round, they'll be playing really strong and you can see that they're really up and about. And then the next game, it looks like they're a little bit fatigued, which is totally understandable because most times they're coming off, what, a two-day maximum break. And clearly that takes a huge toll on your body. So I think for me, this kind of season is really going to be about which team can utilise their bench the best and which team can adapt quickly and on the run because it's also about winning in ugly scenarios and just grinding it out. So like you said, yeah, it was really good to see the Vixens get back to some consistency. And I think if those top teams can really put out strong four-quarter performances then the, the ones that are struggling at the moment are really going to get separated.
0: Yeah, I think we'll, we'll start to see that kind of separation. Um, I think there already is. There, those top three teams of Vixens, Lightning and Swifts. They're kind of um, upper echelon. And then there's a really fight for that last final spot, um, final spot. So it's going to be really important. Every game is going to be really important going into the second half of the season. Uh, moving on to round six now, we're going to go through these games one by one uh first up it was the swifts up against the magpies the swifts getting the job done at 60 to 58 uh the magpies were looking to bounce back after that loss to the thunderbirds in round five but just come up against a swift side that have just been uh, phenomenal so far in 2020 what did you guys think of this one
2: I thought that the Magpies were really good in this one and really unlucky to miss out. It's it's like what we were just saying about consistency. The Swifts have one really, really good game and then they go down. And it's almost like the Magpies have completely latched onto that and were able to pick apart where they expected the Swifts not to lift if that makes sense you can you could see in the last game that laura moore was fatiguing so gabby sinclair came out absolutely firing and she was one of the reasons why the magpies were really really tight in this one um i was really impressed by the magpies obviously it's really disappointing to get so close but so far um allowing the swifts in that last quarter after the magpies kind of fought back for that momentum but overall it was it was a pretty kind of I don't know how to describe it. It was there were there were really good patches. Like Mel Bragg as well. She had a really good game, probably for the first time this season. Again, taking advantage of those constant switches in wing attack and making the most of the Swifts getting used to the new connection. So I think the Magpies are really really close to that win, purely because. They are really challenging teams and they're clearly tactically getting into the minds of the opposition. It's just about getting the job done now.
1: See, for me, it kind of comes down to decision making and that's where Collingwood really lack, not lack, but that's an area that they really need to focus and hone in on because it's just silly little errors that cost them. And I know that Clearly, you can't pinpoint an exact moment, but there was a moment in the dying minutes of the game when Gabby Sinclair took that two-point shot and Emma Ride was called for an offensive contact. Now, that would have leveled the scores. Clearly, from a Collingwood perspective, you're absolutely ruining that mistake because that's such a a costly decision to have made. And I'm not saying that it was deliberate, but it's just those little things. Um, And it was also really interesting to see that if shimona nelson is shut down and really um if her hands are contested which we've seen time and time again that that's where the magpies also fall down in attack so it was good while it was good to have emma ride on it also took collingwood quite a while to kind of get used to that connection so like you touched on there so if, if they can Really tactically go about it and hunt down teams, then it will—they'll be close to getting that win. But at the same time, the Swifts just showed that that little bit extra class and composure.
0: Yeah, I think you both make great points about this game, and I think we all knew going into the twenty twenty season this was basically going to be a rebuilding year for the Magpies. Um, they were lo- easing the Brown sisters back in. They were just looking to get those connections between. I think Gabby Sinclair and Shimona Nelson was the big one, but also. Um, bringing in Jodian Ward to connect with Mentor. It was all—it was a massive year of change for the Magpies, and now they find themselves on the bottom of the ladder. Obviously, it's such a competitive competition that um, it is just going to be tough for them to get wins uh, for the rest of the season. But they've got a talented side, and they, they push the Swifts all the way. So good sides overall. Uh, moving on now, and the second game of the round was the Firebirds up against the Fever, and it was the Firebirds who got the win at 68-57. This one, I I think, was a really impressive performance for the Firebirds, obviously, as we said off the top, their first win for 2020. Um, But to do it against the Fever and do it as emphatically as they did, um, Taylor, this was a great result for, for the Firebirds.
1: Oh, it was so, so, so good. Oh, I was absolutely ecstatic when they won. And like you said, Jared, it's not only their first win for this year, They didn't win last year either, so that's a long time between drinks. I think they had a draw, a couple of draws last year, but they didn't record a win. So it's absolutely huge for the club, and it's also a testament to Rosalie Jenke just letting her young kids play. We've said it time and time again. We've got the likes of Kim Jenner and Tara Hinchcliffe, who were just phenomenal in defense. I think Jenner often gets the accolades for her flashy style of play, but Hinchliffe really stole the, the spotlight this round, Up against Janelle Fowler, who's no easy beat and, you know, is like at least 10 centimetres taller than Hinchley, for her to be able to, to stop her in her tracks, and you look at that second quarter, they only managed nine goals, the Fever, compared to the Firebirds' 19. That's huge. So that's not only their defensive effort in that third, but their entire court pressure, which is also another really... Important element for teams and especially for the Firebirds because they if they can transition quickly, they've got Aiken under the post. And I think that's another person that we can kind of touch on this in this performance that she absolutely starred. And I think without Gretel Bueta clearly she's having to shoulder a lot more of that load and be that real general in attack. There's no Caitlin Nevins who retired last year. Um, and there's clearly, like I just touched on, no Gretel Bueta. So it's now up to Aiken to lead the troops in attack and she did exactly that Macy, Gar- Macy Gardner had a few minutes on court and she did well Gemma Mai, Mai was strong again Mahalia Cassidy and then Tipper Dwan it was just oh, I could talk about how good that game was all day but I'll let someone else join in
2: um I just want to correct you there because uh, Firebirds did win a game last year and it was against the FIBA did they yeah
1: did they <laughs> in round 13 I yeah. swear th- Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, the, what back, what yeah. everyone
2: was saying over the weekend was it was the first win in over 360-something days because the last time they won against the Fever was the 18th of August last year. Oh, there you go. But overall, I was really, really impressed with the Firebirds in this one. And what I think... I mean, you already touched on Hinchliffe being kind of an, un, a, an unseen hero almost. What was so good about this game was... Kim Jenner's ability to shut down any goal attack that came on court to give Hinchliffe the opportunity to completely shut down Janille Fowler and I think it was that combination because you obviously you can't shut down um Fowler without the goal defense also doing their job on the goal attack and that was what was really really good for me because what we've seen in kind of recent times with the Firebirds is they almost sometimes will lack that little bit of cohesiveness down in defense where they'll both be shining in patches, but then there'll be an easy few passes that go straight in and there's just no communication there. But in this one, there was a lot of communication and you could tell that every single thing that Jenna was doing to shut down Alice Teague kneeled and Kalia Stanton was limiting the ability for Fowler to even find the ball. Um, I think I think, Sorry, I'm just looking at the stats here. Alice Neil racked up nine assists and Stanton ten assists, and we're used to seeing the goal attack for Fever rack up sometimes like twenty five to twenty eight assists in one game, able to find Fowler that easily, and that was that was one hundred percent down to the Firebirds' defense. I was so impressed with them, but. Also, like you said, Tippa easily her best game of the season so far, came out firing. She's had a quiet few rounds, but really fought her way back into being a, a tough opposition and opened up Aiken to be able to have an awesome, awesome game because the defence, the fever defence realised they couldn't just focus on Aiken like they would probably plan to do. So, yeah, it was just a really good effort by the Firebirds. Um, hopefully we get to see them get a few more wins on the board this season because, I mean, Taylor wasn't the only one who was super excited. I was like, oh, yeah, yes, Firebirds, get that win. So hopefully, hopefully we see them stay off the bottom of the ladder.
0: Yeah, Sophie, I think you make a great point in terms of the Firebirds' defence of the Fever um, in this game and especially shutting down that avenue through the goal attack we've seen especially over the last couple of weeks in this season over the last couple of years that that's how the fever like to play um they really like to move that ball through the goal attack and, and use that goal attack as that second wing attack position I guess um and now are able to shut that down on the weekend and yeah a, a really impressive win and a really exciting one for the Firebirds they've got a great future a great young core and this is this is only going to be the start of um, a massive couple of years. We hope for the Firebirds. Uh, the third game of round six was the Vixens up against the Giants, and it was the Vixens who got the win, sixty-three to fifty-eight. Um, this one was kind of went as it really expected it to go. It was a bit topsy-turvy. Um, the Vixens were able to get the job done in in the third quarter, really twenty-four to seventeen in that third quarter. Um, Sophie, I know you obviously love this result. What did you think of the match?
2: I was worried watching this game um, because the Vixens, to me, looked really frazzled, especially in the first half. There was a lot of bunching up, um, a lot of almost confusion in attack, and it it reminded me a lot of that... um, Thunderbirds game, where obviously the Vixens had control for majority of the match, but then the Thunderbirds came out in the final quarter and really dominated. Um, fortunately, the Vixens seem to have learned from their mistakes because they came out in the second half and absolutely blew the Giants away. So, it it was a really, I I think I, it's kind of what I already kind of said. The Vixens have upped their consistency this season, um, and they weren't afraid to kind of make the changes. Um, obviously, you look at, like I said before, Tegan Phillip and Caitlin Thwaites is probably that go-to starting goaling role. But for Tegan Phillips, she just had a real shocker, especially the first quarter. She could not catch the ball to save her life. And it was really frustrating to watch because the Vixens were giving away so many turnovers and then the defence was working really, really hard over time to get the ball back and it, it just wasn't always working. So, um, yeah, that second quarter when the Vixens were down, I was kind of looking at them going, surely, surely the Vixens are going to make the change. Unfortunately, they did. Katie Thwaites had a blinder out and goal attack in the second half. MJ um, came on and was a little bit inaccurate compared to her usual um, scoreline, which is saying something because she only missed three goals. But (laughs) overall... um, it was, it was an all right game from the Vixens. Still wasn't exactly where I want to see them, but, I mean, you can't have it all.
1: <laughs> Must be hard. <laughs> I think for me this game was kind of... You could see that the Giants... I was expecting them to come out with a lot more heat, I think. that's my, That was my um, initial reaction to the game is I was expecting them to come out with a lot more fire in the belly. But then I think they kind of went in with a very conservative approach which was interesting, but also I could understand the method behind it. The most exciting thing for me out of this game, though, was Kira Austin. I think she has just completely and utterly blossomed, and being able to get this court time, I rate her much more in that goal attack or goal shooter position. I think that's where she does her most damage. And yes, she is a strong force in wing attack, but if she's got the skill to put up shots like she did in that third quarter she scored 9 goals straight 4 from 4 from 2 point range for me that's just a, an incredibly strong performance and that's an area you don't want her to lose and especially she's fra- uh, you know sitting potentially really well to get a diamonds call up if she continues this vein of form so while i can understand you know getting her out in that wing attack position i think she is much better suited to that circle role because she can just be so damaging. And yes, I know the Giants lost and the third quarter wasn't their best. They went down, you know, 24 to 17. But I think it's her efforts that's a really exciting thing to look at for the Giants as a whole.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think you speak about Kira Austin, you speak about maybe a Diamonds call up. Well, um, speaking of the Diamonds, the, the captain of the Diamonds is sitting on the bench for the Giants. And this is probably the biggest story to come out of this last week of net. Well, probably isn't for the Giants. they have had a lot going on over the last week, but um, <laughs> Caitlin Bassett sitting like take, sitting on the bench for an entire game. I thought maybe in that last quarter when it was really up in the air and um, the Giants could have come back. I thought they might have thrown thrown something or thrown a spanner in the works and and thrown Bassett on and, and um, I don't know. It was. Yeah, a really strange one to see her um, taking an entire game off. Basically, I could get it if they were arresting her, but she's she's in the squad. She's on the bench. There's Yeah, it was very strange, but Kira Austin did an awesome job in that goal attack position, and um, 30 of 34 really shows that. And we will move on now to the final game of round six, and this one was the Lightning up against the Thunderbirds. Um, 53 to 45 score in the end in favour of the Lightning. Uh, they just did it somewhat easily. I think it was the f- the first and fourth quarters where they really turned it on and uh, a great win for the Lightning.
2: This was a really um, interesting game. The, the Thunderbirds came out firing in the second and third. They were actually only down by about two goals when the last quarter began and they completely switched off. And, I mean, I know Taylor's already mentioned um, Potgita. Um, she was meant to hit her hundred hundredth consecutive goal in this game and had a miss and so she missed out by like eight goals on making it but then shot a hundred percent for the rest of the game which was kind of devastating but um the the thing that really got me in this game was the the fact that You look at that defence line for the Lightning, Pretorius, Moeni, obviously they know Potgeta's game very, very well. They all play for South Africa. But what made the difference for me in this one was the last quarter where Maddie McAuliffe came out with a fire in the belly. Um, I know we talk so much about how McAuliffe and Jackie Russell at that, both of them are kind of almost... Partially, I don't want to say fully the unsung heroes of the team because at the end of the day, it, it is the entire team that can be that damaging. But um, Maddie McAuliffe in the last quarter, I think she racked up a, like a few crucial intercepts or a deflection and an intercept. She absolutely flew in a few points to really make sure that the Lightning had no chance to get hands to ball. And again, we've kind of said in the past that when the wing defense is on, Carla Pretorius has the opportunity to go out hunting. And that's what Carla Pretorius did in this one. So even though the Thunderbirds had a real chance to kind of cement that win, the Lightning came out firing in the last quarter and 100% deserved that, that solid eight goal victory in the end. I
1: think it's probably fair to say you could that the Thunderbirds were also missing Hannah Petty. She just offers that grunt through the midcourt and clearly coming up against someone like Laura Langman, who definitely has a point to prove now, considering she's just announced her retirement from international netball. You know she's going to leave nothing to chance, especially in these final few games. We don't know if she will be playing on in Suncorp Super Netball, but... I think for the Thunderbirds, they work really well when they have Hannah Petty through the midcourt. They can kind of, um, you know, she offers not only like that attack, but so too that defensive element, which is a really crucial part to their gameplay. And clearly Macy Nankerville and, and the likes are really strong options as well. But Petty's that leader, and I think they missed her at times throughout the game.
0: Yeah, so a big win for the Lightning and uh, really keeps them in touch at that top of the ladder. Um, three teams at five and one now after six rounds so it's going to be a real fight for those top positions come the end of the season uh we will go into our team of the week uh for this week of netball rounds five and six uh i'm gonna i'll kick it off in defense uh in goalkeeper we've got tara Hinchliffe. there are a couple of options here there were some really great performances in the defensive circle but we i think uh, especially Hinchliffe's performance on Janelle Fowler in that in that win for the Firebirds was uh, super impressive and very deserving of that spot. Uh, in goal defence, it's Carla Pretorius, um, probably the most consistent over the two matches for the Lightning. I think she had se- six or seven intercepts over the week, so uh, a, a trademark uh, Carla Pretorius' performance in both matches and another very deserving one. Uh, Sophie might move on to you for the midcourt.
2: Sure thing. So we've got two Vixens in there and Laura Langman. So obviously Langman, she's just a force to be reckoned with. You cannot deny how consistent she is. And she was another, I know I didn't talk about her when I mentioned McAuliffe, but Langman um, really, really switched on in that second half and um, was really kind of the catalyst for everything coming together for them um and then we've got two vixens that we also didn't talk about kate Eddy and liz watson um i don't think there's any surprise there for wing defense and wing attack kate eddie was probably one of the more consistent wing defenses of the round and she again showcased her versatility she stepped back into goal defense to take on austin in the second game so that was really good liz watson virtually unstoppable um you, you cannot deny the impact she has on every single game she plays and she's a really tough competitor. So yeah, good on them, I guess. <laughs> Taylor? Well, I will do the honours in the goal circle. We've already
1: touched on her and I've, I'm happy to harp on her again, but in goal attack, we've got Kira Austin, like we touched on. She's just been really, really solid option in the circle. And I think. Just that versatility and confidence to kind of go to post no matter where she was in the circle is what kind of won her this position. And then in at goal shooter, Romelda Aiken, she's a real barometer for the Queensland Firebirds and often I know she can get criticised for her inaccuracy under the post, often gets a bit of the yips, but nine times out of ten you know that she'll gobble up that rebound and she's just such a formidable force under the post for the Firebirds. So that's why she got our goal shooter position. Jared, you want to round out the bench?
0: Yeah, I'll go through the bench. Obviously, we've got five spots on the bench now with um, two games a week. We just thought, get a few more players on. Uh, Shamera Sterling, uh, Jodianne Ward as defenders. I think uh, Jodianne Ward's been one that has, has, I think, has really settled into Suncorp Super Netball now and has really formed that connection with Jiva Mentor and doing a great job for the Magpies. Um, as we said, it's obviously been a tough season for the Magpies, but she's been really good. Um, we'll go with Maddie Brown, I think, as our mid-court sub, I think we, we... I don't know if we spoke about her much during the Magpies game, but um, has eased her way back into the side after, obviously, that knee injury and missing the entire of the 2019 season. And I think did a great job in both matches throughout this week. So uh, very deserving there. And two shooters. We've gone with Katie Thwaites. I think we've gone with Laniece um as two shooting subs on the bench. So Pocketa was one that, Taylor, you spoke about. Um, missed, I think, missed one shot for the week. Uh, was had a, had a great performance, and Katie Thwaites just doing a great job for the Vixens, forming that partnership with um, Tegan Phillip, and at times with Maui Cobwender. So, uh, a couple of big names on the bench there, and, and a great team overall. Um, yeah, so that is our team of the week for rounds five and six of the Suncup Super Netball season. Uh, just finally now we will move on to a bit of news over in New Zealand Um, first up we're going to talk about the ANZ Premiership Grand Final which happened over the weekend Uh, no surprise no surprises it was the Pulse who got the win and won the Premiership they were the dominant team across uh, the season and uh, very deserving winners Taylor might start with you what did you think of the Grand Final
1: yeah, it was a great performance by the Pulse. It was a bit uh, bit of a shaky start for the tactics. I think Pulse got out to a, a five-zip lead or something like that. So they set the tone from the very opening minutes. Then the tactics kind of worked their way back into it. But credit to the Pulse, they just put their foot down. And it was the efforts of Maddie Gordon, who is someone everyone should keep an eye out for because this mid-quarter is an absolutely phenomenal talent. She was playing in at wing attack and by quarter time she had at least two or three, two intercepts to her name and was just absolutely carving up the tactics. And she ended up winning player of the match despite missing the third quarter. And it was just a complete performance by her. I think she's only 19 or something like that. So... Um, it was just a really strong performance by the Pulse. They kind of never looked like losing, if that makes sense. They also sent off their coach Yvette mccauldin Jury, in style. It was their final game. And it was also Katrina Rouré's 150th match for the Pulse. So it was a really fitting end to their season. And they'll definitely be pleased. On the other hand, the tactics will be disappointed in the way that they went out. But also, you got to remember, this is their first ever grand final appearance. So it's only going to get bigger and better from there.
2: Yeah, I thought the um, the tactics just didn't look like they were ready for it, if that makes sense. They weren't expecting the Pulse to come out that hard and fast and they just didn't look quite as confident as we've seen them in recent weeks. And they won against the Pulse, what was it, two weeks ago, round nine. Obviously, the Pulse were undermanned in, in that game, but maybe the maybe the tactics kind of came in expecting... Um, a kind of close contest again. Um, I will say though, they did have some really good players. I mean, Charlotte Alley had a pretty good game. Kimi Poy had a really good game. She was so solid through the midcourt. She just comes in and snatches the ball out from under players' noses. It's insane. So, it it's not that the the tactics didn't play a good game. They just didn't seem cohesive, and they didn't seem to have it have enough. Grunt to get the job done, and they did have a really good comeback in the third quarter when Maddie Gordon wasn't on. Tiana Metuado was on in wing attack instead, um, but it just didn't seem to be enough. And I mean, Emilia and Ekinasio sinking a long bomb to finish the game—it's—it's it's very fitting for the Pulse's season, and full credit to them.
0: Yeah, a, a great season for them, and um, great to cap it off with the win. I think they—they might have almost lulled the tactics into a false sense of security after that um game in round nine but uh did a great job and as you said taylor maddie gordon doing an awesome job um the other one the other award that was given out was the player of the year and that went to jane watson of the tactics and uh that's one that she's one that we've spoken about here for weeks on end for this entire anz premiership season formed a great duo with temelisi faka hockatau in defense um and a very deserving uh winner for the player of the year uh just finally uh I think the big news out of New Zealand netball over the last week or so was the announcement that Laura Langman um, has retired from international netball. And Taylor, you just mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, I, I think we, we all kind of expected it. Um, we knew she wasn't going to play forever as much as we would have hoped. But uh, that now means that three of the starting seven from their World Cup winning side are now retired from international netball. So Kaysa uh, Kapua, uh, Maria Falau and now Laura Langman um so, some big holes to fill in the in the Silver Fern side.
1: Yeah, they've got some big holes to fill, but they have so much young talent that is just it's bursting at the seams. Like like I just touched on Maddie Gordon in in saying that actually the Silver Ferns have just announced their squad list um and Maddie Gordon is is set to uh make her debut whenever they do play or she's at least gotten the call up to the Silver Ferns squad which is huge but i think the thing that you can't underestimate is while clearly felaou kopua and langman are all huge outs and they you can't really replace them they have just an extreme amount of talent over in new zealand and there's so many young players that are really willing and ready to take that next step up and can easily carry that load that they that the ferns Veterans, as you can call them, the Ferns veterans or potential Hall of Famers would be doing anyway.
2: Interestingly, uh, I was just going to say, um, uh, Maddie Gordon's um, obviously just having a look at the squad now. She's the only new name in there. So they haven't actually changed yeah. much apart from the fact that um, Langman, obviously, Copua Maria Falau, but both Copua and uh, Maria Falau uh, retired before. The end of uh, before the end of last year, anyway. So that's not huge news. Um, I I think the the New Zealand silver ferns are really looking to the future in this. I, I wonder whether Lyman would have played another year if it wasn't two years out from the Commonwealth Games. Um, obviously, we know the Commonwealth Games are every few year uh, every four years, not few years. Um, and I I think they're really looking to the future with this squad. They've also announced their development squad, which has a lot of the players that. Um, Taylor and I were actually tossing up over the last few days which is very interesting so I quite like that I like that we kind of predicted some of those players being in there but um, yeah it's it's really interesting but I do want to say like Laura Langman we're we're so lucky that we do get to see her here in Australia the greatest um, netball competition in the world because she is just an absolute star of the game and it cannot be denied that she is one of the greatest centers or mid quarters, I guess, um, to ever grace the court in the world. She's, she's that good. And she's really, really set the tone to uh, for how you have, how good you have to be to um, kind of, play out all these years she's had a 15-year career so full credit to laura langman hopefully we won't see her retire from netball overall at the end of this season because we all know that we'd love to see her another season in super netball given no one can go to games (laughs) so um, (laughs) love to see her on court one more time hopefully hopefully it can happen so um yeah amazing an amazing amazing career by laura langman
0: yeah, Sophie, I think you, you hit the nail on the head and I think you say one of the greatest mid-quarters overall. I think she's one of the great, greatest players regardless of position yeah, um, overall in netball history. She's um, done an absolutely wonderful job and I think for her to go out and have that World Cup victory I think is just perfect for her and a great way to finish her career. So um, as you said, I think we're all hoping that she goes around for another season in Cup Super Netball because we would love to see um, see her play live once again for one one last time but um, we'll have to see what happens come the end of this season um, i think that is all we have time for this week on the center pass podcast uh, do go follow us on twitter at pass Pod and do go to netball.draftcentral.com for all your world netball news and reviews and we will speak to you next week